0: What is it? It's your future. It's called a Stargate.
1: Chevron 7 locked. Welcome to Walking Through the Stargate. I'm Brent. And I'm Zach. This is episode 26, and we'll be talking about Stargate SG1's episode Need. You can find us on Google Play Podcast and on Apple Podcast and on Spotify Podcast. By the way, Zach, yes? Spotify continues to be like the place where a lot of people are listening to us. Really? I know. Oh, that's I cool. Was, I, I don't know if it's like some algorithm that they've got going on, or if somebody re- types in like Stargate and we pop up. Actually, I should try that. Um, Ooh! Uh, but uh, yeah. So th- for those of you listening to us on Spotify, hey, hi, hey. how you doing? Awesome, Guess what, friends. We love you. Guys you. Are, yeah, we love you, and you're bucking the trend, like everybody else says. Spotify's terrible. I'm like, mm, okay. Anyway, huh? hey, but hey. Uh, yes. And uh you can tell other people to find us on those spots as well. And you can do us a big old favor. And so on Apple Podcasts and on Google Play Podcasts, you can rate and review us on Spotify. I think you can only hit the little heart little heart icon, so go ahead and press that heart icon. Just just give just because give it a little click. Just, just
0: you love click. us.
1: Just just right there, right there. Just yep, right there. Uh-huh. Press it. Good. Thanks. There you go.
0: I knew you wanted to do that.
1: <laughs> yeah. So um, anyway, so when folks uh, ended up recommending t- uh, us to other people, Zach, and they wanted to let us know who they, uh, who they told, uh, because we like to keep a ledger of that thing, uh, how would yes. they let us know
0: that? Oh, well, if you want to tell us uh, what you have been doing with your life, um, if you want to tell <laughs> us about how you have rated us and reviewed us and how, uh, you know, everything Stargate in the world is awesome, except for a few things, but we won't talk about those. <laughs> Uh, anyway, if you want to get a hold of us, you can just email us at walkingthroughthestargate at gmail.com. It's com. That's w a l k i n g t h r u g. All right. In any case, it's walking <laughs> through the Stargate. You know how it's spelled. Uh huh. Email us. Let us know. We haven't gotten any emails in a while, and that makes us sad pandas.
1: Yeah, you should uh-huh. see me right now. I look like a panda.
0: Yeah, although those. Dark circles around your eyes. I don't think they're because com- you're a panda. <laughs> For a completely <laughs> different reason. <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh. So, uh, if you don't want to email us, you can also follow us on Twitter at Stargate uh-huh. Walking. Find us on Facebook. Walking through the Stargate. Mm-hmm. We have a Facebook group. Uh, we have a Facebook page. Uh, I try to tell people when uh, when we have uh, when our podcasts go live on the Facebooks. Um, chatting with people as they chat. Um, Facebook is weird, so sometimes I don't always get notifications right away, but I do try to pay attention to that as best I can. Mm-hmm. Um, have fun. Join us. Make this community your community because it's Yay! a Stargate community and we're all one happy SGC family. Except for that one guy, we don't talk about him.
1: Yeah, but that's okay. Well, you know, yeah, every, to each their own, you know, like that's his style.
0: Uh, okay, you know. fair enough. Fair enough. A bit of a loner. That's right. Yeah, so, that's it. All right. Well, shall we get into this Let's episode? get into this, yeah. I need to get into it.
1: Oh! Oh!
0: You see what I did there? Already starting
1: with the puns. I nice. know. And okay. it's early. So, well, it's not that
0: early, but... Need is directed by David Worry Smith. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is his second of six total directing credits this season. Yeah. Uh, we saw him earlier on Prisoners. This is also his fourth of 11 total for the whole series, uh, There But For the Grace of God and Within the Serpent's Grasp. Frankly, Mm -hmm. for me, he will be forever known as the Kung Fu Director. (laughs) He's also the guy who wrote that short film called Colonoscopy. Oh, yeah, that's
1: right. I still didn't look that up. I should do that. So this
0: is all David Worry-Smith. If you want to learn more about David, I invite you to listen to our previous podcasts. Yes, please do. Uh, That helps. Uh, The story was written by Robert C. Cooper and Damian Kindler, and then the Mm -hmm. teleplay was written by Robert C. Cooper. Mm -hmm. Uh, For Robert C. Cooper, this is his second of four writing credits this season. And beyond that, I invite you to once again listen to our previous episodes to hear all about Robert. Now, Damian Kindler, this is the first time we've heard his name, but it won't be the last. He has a total of twenty-five writing slash story credits for SG One. Wow! That said, we won't see his name again until season six. So he does this one with Cooper, really, and then he takes a break for another few seasons. Then he comes back yeah. and he does quite a bit at that yeah, point. I was going to say <laughs> um, he also does a fair amount for Atlantis as well. Ah, okay. um, cool. But beyond his work with Stargate, he's done a ton of things. He's the creator of the TV series Sanctuary, uh, which also stars Amanda Tapping. Uh, oh, cool. Sanctuary is sort of a sci fi thing. Uh, Amanda Tapping plays this uh, British scientist person who's lived for uh, way longer than she ought to have at this point in time. And hmm. she runs the Sanctuary, which uh, is a safe haven for uh, non human intelligent creatures. Uh, magical creatures generally uh, In the world And so her job is to go out and find these people And help them and all of that stuff Hmm cool. Also Damien Kindler Has a connection to Kung Fu Legend No! Really? Yes. Okay His what's the connection? first writing credit on IMDB Also comes from Kung Fu Legend Continues <laughs> His writing credit was from Season 3, Episode 12, The Sacred Chalice of I Ching. Oh, Where Kane and Peter travel to France in order to find an ancient chalice containing mystical powers and prevent it from getting into the hands of a neo-Nazi archaeologist.
1: Yeah, I saw that movie. It was called Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade.
0: Yeah, and that sacred chalice was uh, uh, the chalice. <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh i think i kind of need to look this show up uh,
0: you know you are welcome to do that you let me know we are having too
1: much fun uh learning about kung fu the legend continues from the perimeter and not yes. any fun from having an experienced. <laughs> the show itself.
0: <laughs> this is what at least the third connection that we've come across.
1: Oh, this is this is great. This is great. Yeah. You know, it, it you know, this this parallel this parallel track of this other show that has nothing to do with Stargate and it's just like trundling trundling along. Yep. Okay,
0: anyway. All right. So, Need was first aired on July 24, 1998. Mm -hmm. Uh, number one in the charts in the U S was still, still, still the boy is mine by Brandy and Monica. I mean, it was a popular song. Well, apparently it's like a three weeks popular song or more. I haven't figured out how far away that is, but it was a superstar mashup. Ah, well, I still don't know it.
1: Brandy. So as I was doing, as I was looking up the audio to post on last week's episode, uh, Brandy sold it on one of her albums, and Monica, who was the other person who sung it, uh, which you just said, um, uh, sold it on her album or as a single? Don't know. Don't care. But both of them were selling. Oh, that's Ah. why it's the number one, Zach. They're double-dipping. Aww. Right, they do those. They do those charts based off of sales and play play counts. I think that's true. And you know, yeah, of course the play counts were up there, but the play counts were probably up there because the sales were inflated. I guess because Monica fans were buying it and Brandy fans were buying that. What a racket! Boo. Yeah,
0: gosh, that's cheating. <laughs> that's cheating. <laughs> that is totally all cheating. all right. I I am going on a strike. I am not going to talk about the U.S. top seller number one in the charts until Brandy and Monica isn't there. You heard it here first. You heard it here first, and it might be a while. <laughs> I can't remember what it's not I don't remember. Anyway. Oh, what what in was in the, the UK, though? In the UK, uh, they were listening to Someone You Loved by Louis Capaldi. Boy, I still... So, okay. Okay, good news again. We'll probably
1: be... Uh, putting this audio in, but last week, yes. Uh, once I found the audio, I was like, "Oh, this song!" And uh, let's it, our jamming to last week's song made things a little awkward. Oh, <laughs> just, just 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 a tad. Okay, but uh, okay. So so again, so in the UK, it was uh, someone you loved. So it's probably a slow jam, don't you think?
0: It sounds like sounds like a like a, a ballad there, yeah.
1: Yeah, okay, so, so I'm going to go find the audio, and I'm going to be bringing it in here. This is Brent from the future. Well, actually, as you're listening to it, it's the past, and as it relates to Brent and Zach in the recording right now, it's the future. But the reason why I'm saying it like this is because I've got some bad news. Zach had the wrong information. The song... That he was referencing is a number one jam of like, now, not then. the The number one jam in July of nineteen ninety eight was "Deeper Underground" by Jimmeriquee. <laughs> not, uh, not someone you loved by um, Louis Capaldi, uh, who I guess knows Peter Capaldi because the music video has the doctor in it. And well, whatever. Anyway. I'll play a little bit of Deeper Underground right now. Come on. Yeah. Real mellow, right? It is real. Just smooth. Panic this Ooh.
0: I'm yeah, right there.
1: Reach up there. Get that note. Get that note.
0: There it is. There it is. All right. Now we, now we just bring it
1: on down. So,
0: I got to go ah,
1: that, that really set the mood.
0: Yep. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. I feel calmer already. Yep. As if there is somebody I loved.
1: <laughs> oh the cheese. Mm. The cheese it's
0: so <laughs> thick. I couldn't hold it. <laughs> okay. So Ah uh, yeah. On July 24th, 1998, while they were listening Mm -hmm. to The Boy Is Mine and Someone You Loved, they were also watching movies. And number one in the box office was Saving Private Ryan, opening on the 24th. It was huge. I remember seeing this in the theater, Mm -hmm. um, and I thought this was an amazing movie that was utterly just grotesque in places. Uh, yes. It was captivating. It, it was very, very realistic uh, in terms of uh, the, the shots done as for war and whatnot. Uh, during the, the uh, Battle of Normandy, there were a couple of shots where, where you see this guy without an arm wandering around, and then he mm-hmm. finds it and he picks it up, and I'm like, whoa. Uh, later on you see people shot and, and they're trying to do triage on it And it's just uh, it, You need to have a solid stomach To watch this movie But it is a yep. really good movie That, that uh, depicts uh, well uh, World War II realities mm-hmm. um, So uh, there you go Saving Private Ryan uh, Number two was The Mask of Zorro Way different
1: <laughs> the, the, Those two movies
0: probably couldn't be Further apart Uh well no 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 that's not true because when you get to Lethal Weapon four you've gotten even further away from saving. Uh, That's a good point. So now Uh, we have like a big triangle of yep, Uh, and then you have uh, there's something about Marius number four and Armageddon rounds out the top five. Um, so there you go.
1: With those with those uh space oil riggers.
0: Yep. Yep, because when an asteroid comes barreling towards the planet, who do you call oil riggers? Halliburton. <laughs> <laughs> who are you going to call? Oh, so,
1: so there's, uh, I, there should be a retelling of that story about how the reason that uh, that oil rig workers were sent up to the asteroid was because Halliburton cheated and got the contract, the government contract. <laughs> So instead of sending qualified (laughs) individuals, it's just, it's just, it's just, it's just Washington politics gone wrong again, Uh, right?
0: (laughs) You know, politics are politics. Oh boy. Oh boy. boy. All right. So on July 24th, uh, when all of this other stuff was happening, uh, we also had the birth of Bindi Irwin, who is an Australian TV personality conservationist. She's the daughter of Steve Irwin. Yep. She was born in Buterim, Australia. I probably butchered that, and I'm very, very sorry. And those of you who are listening from Australia, if you can correct me on that, uh, uh, please do. Uh, also, it's probably pronounced like Haven Church or something. Uh, yeah, yeah, probably. You know, the right. the B U D E R right. I and M are silent. Yes, and and the rest of it, you know, you just have to know.
1: And the comma is pronounced Haven Church.
0: <laughs> <laughs> That's right. That's right. Uh, also, on the 24th, Russell Eugene Weston Jr. bursts into the United States Capitol and opens fire killing two police officers. Oh, wow. Right. Uh, but he was also later ruled to be incompetent to stand trial. Hmm. Hmm. So... That's what was going on on July 24th of 1998. Um, Trivia for this episode. Yes. Uh, So when a guard asks Jack to kneel and he says, oh, I not really can't do this. I got trouble with my knees. uh, This is because uh, Richard Dean Anderson actually does have trouble with his knees. Oh, really? uh, You know, he's got some major issues with his ACL and, and all of that stuff. So. Um, that 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 played into that little gag there, uh, huh?
1: I didn't so, know that, but and yet still he's on his knees an awful and, lot in this movie. And
0: there you the go, movie yep. Episode. Uh, there is a moment when O'Neill describes Jackson as the man who would be king. Uh, this mm-hmm. is, of course, a reference to the novella from 1888, and then the subsequent movie from 1975. The novella was written by Rudyard Kipling in 1888, and the movie. Uh, was adapted and directed by John Huston and starred Sean Connery, Michael Caine, Syed Jaffrey, and Christopher Plummer. Wow. That's and a pretty- uh, the film slash novella follows two rogue ex soldiers who were former non commissioned officers in the British Army who set off from their late 19th century British India uh, in search of adventure and they end up in faraway Kafiristan. Uh, where one is taken for a god and made their king. Aha. Uh-huh. So there you go. You get the connection there. Yeah. Um, then Shyla, uh, this is the young woman who tries to kill herself by jumping off a cliff, mm-hmm. uh, tells Jackson how beautiful trees are. Right? Remember that? And oh, thinks yeah. that they are so unique to her world. This is an in joke uh, because they are constantly using the forests as scenery scenery like yeah on all the planets so you know yeah we've made that joke where where right. every uh world looks like vancouver forests yes <laughs> um <laughs> coincidentally richard dean anderson has also expressed some annoyance that every planet seems to have pine and cedar forests on it um but when you don't have an unlimited budget you nope. make do with what you have. And with yep. if what you have are pine and cedar, then you use pine and cedar.
1: But there's no reason at all to um, discount the ever so remote possibility, even though it's like so small of a chance that it is effectively negligible and therefore impossible. But wouldn't it be funny if indeed all of the inhabitable worlds of the of the universe look like the Pacific Northwest. (laughs) I mean,
0: there's a chance. There is a chance. chance. Um, You know, it makes sense that all of the habitable planets in the universe have something akin to trees. Yes, of course. Um, I mean, you need that for a planet-wide ecosystem. Um, Yeah. And I suppose it's conceivable if they are transporting people, they also transported Trees and such. Um, oh, there, there had so, to have been some form of terraforming going on at yeah. some point in time in the history of things. Um, so, the because
1: makers of the gate, yeah. So the makers of the gate, or no? I guess it was the Gould that were the bad guys, popular, you know, stealing Earthlings and throwing everything. So maybe the Gould were like, you know what? We have seen no more beautiful place than Vancouver, uh, and therefore every world that we now own will look like. Vancouver.
0: Well that 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 could very well be true.
1: Right now we got some uh, we got some people that are listening in, in British Columbia that are like, "Yes! This is the you guys are so smart.
0: This is the most beautiful. We should Whatever. all be living in Vancouver. Okay, everybody on the planet move to Vancouver.
1: All 7 billion
0: people. <laughs> all 7 billion of us. I'm sure there will be no the beauty negative of Vancouver. consequences. <laughs> Now uh, we got all
1: those people going, no,
0: no. <laughs> well, we just lost some listeners, I think. Probably so. <laughs> um, come back, please. please. I'm not above begging. <laughs> <Nah>. <laughs> ah. All right. Oh, um, British Columbia. So, uh, while, there a couple of goofs. While SG-1 is being brought before Pyrus in chains, Teal can be seen at the end of the line, tripping over his chains as one wraps around his ankle, and then you can see oh. him swinging his right leg back and forth. I looked for this, uh, but I, I missed it, and I didn't have also, time to go back like, and look for it.
1: It's one of those things where it's like um, if, if a situation is plausible, so it is plausible for Teal'c as a prisoner to trip over his chains, right? Like That is true. That's a thing. That can be a thing. So, you know, is it really a goof? Unless, unless what he's doing is like he, he trips over it and then he looks up with a big goofy grin on his face, like Whoa,
0: "Hey, oh, then, I don't then
1: that would be like,
0: oh, okay." Um, another anyway. spot, uh, Doctor Daniel Jackson, when he escapes from his bonds in the SGC, he starts uh, punching out one of the guards. Uh, mm-hmm. and if you look carefully, you can see that his third punch really just misses wildly. Uh, I mean, it's just like boom, boom, and th- that that third punch is just way not anywhere close um that said i I would say personally that uh while that probably is a mistake it also would make sense that that uh, a man who is uh as Mm -hmm. uh not (laughs) with it as jackson was at that point in time would just be flailing his arms everywhere and if one of them way whiffs that's not surprising
1: he was probably—Jackson was probably seeing, like, the guard as, like, a serpent lord with seven heads or something, right? <laughs> like, who knows what mental state he was in then.
0: Yeah, he was not operating on all cylinders at that point, no. time, that's for sure. <laughs> well, that's all I have for goofs and trivia and whatnot. Uh, mm-hmm. Brent, hit us up with a synopsis. Okay, All right, so this synopsis is uh,
1: this one again. This one's back to the Stargate Command wiki um, with with some edits. Uh, This one was not quite as bad as as last week. So uh, also, uh, Zach gave me a head heads up that uh, since Radar makes an appearance, that it was going to be you know delicate uh, delicate water to tread if I'm trying to find a an episode recap uh, from other sources. So I stuck with uh, I stuck with the uh, Stargate Command wiki one. So here we go.
0: There you go.
1: SG-1 hides out of sight while Jaffa send Ra and through the gate. They decide to get some of the metal for their own research, but then Jackson notices a figure. By the way, it, I do like how these episodes pretty much kind of pick up with the action generally. Yeah. Anyway, Jackson notices a figure move away from the gate and into the forest. Uh, I probably should stop it with the William Shatner thing. I'll, I'll do my best. I don't know. I like doing
0: William Shatner. You know, <laughs> Brent, you do you, yeah. and if you is William Shatner, then you go right ahead. This
1: intrigues him. He runs off to follow the figure, and the SG-1 team bedraggles along. All right, I can't do that forever. No,
0: don't do that anymore. <laughs> yeah. Okay.
1: Before the figure slips into the woods, she lowers her hood, revealing her great beauty. She also appears deeply sad. She approaches a cliff, opens her arms, and looks up to the heavens. She falls forward, she tumbles, and Daniel Jackson grapples her. Jackson saves her. Yet she starts to scream and to fuss around SG-1, demanding they step away from the princess. The team is then brought into the pyramid, into a pyramid, a singular pyramid that they saw, and before the woman's father, Pyrus, the ruler of the planet. Pyrus demands to know which attacking world sent SG-1. The team attempts to explain their motives and how Jaffa found them with the princess, but the princess is unwilling to tell her father the truth about what Jackson has done. Pyrus doesn't believe the team comes from a Gua'uld-free world. In the end, he forces SG-1 to labor in the Naquita mines, accused of attacking the princess. In the mines, SG-1 concludes Pyrus isn't a Gua'uld. Captain Samantha Carter could not sense it, nor could Teal'c. The Jaffa aren't real Jaffa, either. This gives SG-1 confidence. They can escape, but as they attempt it, a rockfall pummels Jackson, forcing SG-1 to stop. They try to free him and cannot. Jaffa capture them again and take Jackson away. The princess talks with her father, and what she says annoys him. It is obvious to him. These aliens mean to attack. She assures her father all will be well. Jackson then awakens in a sarcophagus. He rises and sees the princess, smiling and quite affectionate. She tells Jackson her name,
0: Shyla. He is her destiny. Brent. Of course, what? I think she likes him. You think? Going out on a limb. Okay. All right.
1: All right. So we'll we'll carry on with this limb here that she likes him. Okay. Of course, this flummoxes Jackson. Shyla explains her mother promised a man from beyond the stars would come for her. Shyla stood at that cliff edge, wishing one last time for her hero to arrive, and he did. <gasps> this account stuns Jackson, but he immediately asks for Pyrus to release his friends. Shyla refuses saying they must first earn the trust of her father. Pyrus believes SG-1 are spies sent to retake the planet. Jackson lives a life of luxury, being the princess's destiny, but the foremen torture SG-1 and work them to the breaking point. After days, Jackson returns to the mines wearing royal robes and looking quite well. This astonishes SG-1, and Colonel Jack O'Neill informs Jackson of their peril. Jackson needs to work faster to free SG-1. Jackson appears distracted, as if rescuing SG-1 is an afterthought. The sarcophagus and its enhancing properties consumes his thought. Time passes, and Jackson grows more deranged. Perpetual use of the sarcophagus is poisoning him. Carter hears a distant memory of the benevolent ghoul wool she once carried. The sarcophagus takes one's soul in exchange for enhancement. More time passes, and Jaffa bring O'Neill before the throne, where Jackson lounges. Jackson springs to his feet once he realizes O'Neill is there. He chatters about the amazing properties of the sarcophagus. O'Neill reminds Jackson of the peril facing SG-1. And Jackson blurt[s] out his plan for returning to, to uh, returning the team to Earth. He has agreed to marry Shyla, but first Jackson and SG-1 and the SG-1 team must return. This solves the problem at last. Huzzah! Unfortunately, upon returning to Earth, it is clear that Jackson has changed for the worse he experiences intense withdrawal symptoms. He is mentally unstable to such an extent that the SGC's medical staff forcibly restrain him. After days, it appears Jackson is on the mend, but that is a ruse. Jackson escapes. O'Neill chases him down and tries to help him, even though Jackson attempts to kill O'Neill with a gun. Seconds later, Jack, Jack Daniel breaks down, collapsing, sobbing, into Jack's arms. After he has recovered, SG-1 returns to the planet. Shyla stands by the sarcophagus mourning the death of her father. Jackson persuades Shyla to destroy the sarcophagus. He encourages her to lead her people in a different way of life. She looks resolute. She fires a staff weapon on the sarcophagus, destroying it. Afterwards, she has to say goodbye to Daniel. Stargate Command will find another way to get Nakwita. The end. The end. Now, one thing before we really dive into it, I wanted to just get some clarity on because when I was reading through the synopsis, I realized that I don't know why I kind of blanked out in the dialogue at the tail end of the episode, but I finished the episode under the impression that the Stargate, the SGC project uh might have a might have an ally world here and a source of naquita but then the thing read as if they were like nope can't can't get it
0: well uh i would say that well i mean it the episode ends without clear uh without clarity on that but that said
1: i mean it's it's um, clear that they will not get Nacuta through slavery, like that part's a no. Right. But it was also implied that the slavery system was about to be upended. <laughs> like, like right. we can help you get this Nacuta out of here.
0: Um, I, it is my suspicion that uh, this actually does become a planet where at least getting some, uh, some Naquita is is possible. Yeah. Um, yeah, that was what. There needs to be uh, some I processes got. going on there which we never see uh, that determines well where are they sending the nacre before and yep. and you know would they actually miss it if it was gone and and you know all sorts of things like that. Um, so. Uh, there, there are steps that, that uh, could be taken to ensure their safety better, and it sounds like that, that the SGC was going to help them along in that process, if not yeah. Daniel Jackson himself. Um, so I would say, personally for me, that that last sentence in the synopsis, as found on the Stargate Command Wiki, is saying more information than is actually given in the episode.
1: Aha! So thanks a lot. Stargate command. Stargate spoilers. command wiki. Stargate command wiki. There was another part uh, kind of early on when Pyrus was talking about, uh, you know, so Pyrus and uh, Shiloh were talking and Pyrus was saying, you know, like the Neuquita is growing more scarce by the day. And my thought was like, yeah, because it's, it's a mineral. <laughs> You're pulling <laughs> it out of the planet and sending it off world. Like, well,
0: yeah, <laughs> like and unless that, unless a, there's a,
1: a later. Go ahead.
0: That's a big deal. Um, yeah. You know, uh, and that's a problem. And what are you going to do with that? I mean, he's like 700 years old. Uh, right. let's assume he didn't start using the sarcophagus, um, until he actually became ruler, which means he's been ruler for seven basically 700 call it 640 years, or, <laughs> yeah, you know, 660 right? years, whatever it is. He's, he's been ruler uh, for a long time, you know, um. That's a long time to be mining mm-hmm. in a single mine.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Oh, yeah. Um, so That's one heck of a vein of Naquita. Well, yeah. But, you know, literally everything that the Gua will do is laced, at the very least, with Naquita. Yep, yep. Their weapons, yeah, themselves, yep. their ships, yep. their yep. stargates. Yep. Well, there you go. So, Brent. So, yeah. Need. Mm-hmm. What'd you think?
1: I thought I thought it was alright. I thought that the episode um I think it started and it ended a little weakly, but it got really darn good right there in the middle. Mm-hmm. Um uh, uh Michael Shanks' acting. Holy cow. Like i you know he is he's definitely taking it over the top because that's what the scene demands but like man he was absolutely convincing me that he was being um uh poisoned by the sarcophagus's effects Mm -hmm. uh and the storyline itself was a little flimflam. flam, you know, it wasn't that bad, but it was like, you know, it's like, mm, okay, fine. Right. You know, this is, this is how we get, uh, uh, Daniel in a situation where he's using the sarcophagus on the regular, right. uh, and then suffering the ill effects of it. I thought that the whole, like, you know, damsel in distress, like destiny thing was a little like, okay, come on. Like, I'm sure we can think of another way. Like that one's a little, that one's a little flimsy. Um, yeah not for any particular reason it's just like a meh okay fine. Uh and then because that was such a um such an integral part to how the story set up, of course they had to resolve it and even the resolution of it was a little flimflam like it it, it just that particular part wasn't wasn't deeply compelling. Right. Uh but the uh but the main arc of I was about well, okay. I, you know, is the romance story the main arc? No, no. The main arc is is Daniel and what the sarcophagus is doing to him,
0: and and you know. Yeah, uh, I would say that the the, uh, the main story, or at least the the idea pitched probably in the room, predominantly yeah. was, hey, let's talk more about the sarcophagus. What if the sarcophagus yes. is bad? Right. Um. And what if we learn that because one of our heroes, say Daniel Jackson, uses the sarcophagus over and over and over again and goes nuts? Yeah. Um, And I think that's the story. story And then they began to say, oh, okay, so if this is where our story is, how do we get him to that place? And then how do we get him out of that place?
1: place? Yeah, let's make him like uh, like a ruler of a place. How do you get him uh, to be a ruler? Well,
0: Um, blah, blah. Right. Right. She's a little bit doughy-eyed at him yeah for the whole thing i
1: mean it's
0: okay it's just it's
1: it's there was probably uh if they had more time they probably could have come up with a better story for how daniel got into that situation yeah but they probably didn't have that time and so they came up with the best story that they could have and that was it but <laughs> yeah so You know it started fine, um, and there were uh, there were definitely some good moments. I kept getting distracted by the makeup, though. Like apparently, when one pops out of a sarcophagus, uh, you end up with eyeshadow. So you know, (laughs) I was noticing Uh,
0: that uh, Sam Carter, after having spent uh, multiple days mining Nakoda, still has eyeliner. Yep, eyeliner and (laughs) mascara. Yep. And then I don't know if it was the
1: video artifact or video compression artifacts or what, but I think that in order to get the faces to look a little more dirty, uh, they ended up putting some kind of like pinkish lipstick on the actors, including um, Richard Dean Anderson, Hmm. such that it became distracting. Like his lips were like pink. (laughs) <laughs> and, and I'm like, and I'm like, Hey, nice lipstick there, dude. And yeah. uh, Which is fine. I mean, it's makeup. Like, you know, they're trying to, they're, they're, they're trying to communicate an effect and, you know, on camera, like reality sometimes doesn't look real. Yeah. And yeah. so, you know, so they, so they, so they do what they can, but it's enjoyable to me because it's like, Oh man, like, you know, and then I don't know what they did to get like Daniel Jackson's eyes to look as like wide and white as they did oh. at the scene where he finally wow. breaks down. But my goodness, his eyes were popping out of his
0: skull he Uh, that whole the whole process for jackson for michael shanks to be playing uh this character who was coming off of a major high uh and dealing with the major withdrawal symptoms and 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 just the 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 physiological effects that that has on him uh he nailed that it was just like you know and and I, that whole that whole process was, was I think it's really really good.
1: Yeah. No, totally. The I'm sure it was exhausting.
0: <laughs> I'm sure I'm that sure it was. I'm sure
1: that he finished those scenes. Yeah, just drained because he he was pouring. It looked like he was pouring everything he had into that.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: Um, I mean, like his face was literally unrecognizable when he was breaking down. That's true. I was, I was just sitting there just like, he does not look anything, anything like he normally does right now. So. Right. And then it was jarring when, like, you know, time passes and, you know, Jackson comes back into the SGC, like, his hair back to normal and wearing his glasses and acting his normal self. It was just like, who is this guy? Yeah, <laughs> like, but but where'd even he that come very from?
0: last scene when he's like, hey, we should go back to this planet and save these people, you could still feel, while he looked himself, you could still feel this this heavy weight that was still just sitting on him. Yeah. Uh, you know, even in there, you, you saw uh, a man who was mostly himself, but still feeling uh, the, the weight of having, had to go through that process. Um, and so,
1: and... So as, uh, especially as the scene, um, you know, his breakdown scene occurred... You know, a few episodes ago, I was kind of realizing that uh, uh whereas Star Trek in its episodic nature kind of did that very typical science fiction thing of it, it, it was, you know, sci-fi likes to talk about contemporary events, but places it in a setting that makes it a little fantastic mm-hmm. and allows us to examine social constructs uh, almost almost free of the trappings that kind of keep us from uh, uh examining them thoughtfully. Right. Uh, I was noticing that because of the effort, the great, and I'm appreciative of the effort of SG, of Stargate SG-1 to be taking on a season story, how we're not really presented with those episodic little morality plays nearly as often. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and at the end of this one, it felt very much like an episodic morality play about, uh, addiction and, which was good, um, you know, late '90s drug addiction was definitely something that was to the fore of a lot of people's minds. True, and how to how to be how to how to how to how to how to uh, how to approach it. Um, it. Though it wasn't really, you know, as I'm saying it, it wasn't quite that obvious. But you know, that tail end scene, I mean, that definitely was resonating as a as a moment of there are people out there that are suffering in the same way, and there are people that are as committed to loving and supporting them. N- Though not enabling them, right. as uh, O'Neill was to Jackson in that moment,
0: right? Um, I wouldn't say though great. that I mean I actually made comment to this as, as as I was watching it the other day that that while this was definitely a certain sense in a certain sense a morality tale for us today about the effects of mind altering drugs and the mm-hmm. the problems they can occur and and how we as a society might be able to engage with. And and walk with somebody who's dealing with this with, without enabling them and all of that stuff. All of that is true, but it did not feel like an after-school special.
1: Yes, right. No, it didn't. It was definitely not like um, and now a special episode of Stargate SG One. <laughs> um, you know, it it, it 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 was it was just addressing a it was addressing a, an issue that was timely. Uh, in a way that was, it was just talking about it, right? Yeah. It was just, it yeah. was just saying, let's pretend that uh, that uh, sarcophagus use is like cocaine, and like what happens? Well, you, this person just keeps spinning up higher and higher, uh, uh, thinking, thinking that they are invincible in more and more fantastical ways. And when they finally separate themselves from it, uh, the plunge down is is terrible, uh, and. And this is what it looks like.
0: Yeah,
1: and you know, it was it was a good story. You know, it, I, I liked it. I liked how I liked where they went with it. It was it was it was simple, but it was still good. And it also, I could tell you know it was setting some things up. Like uh, I didn't particularly like how they were ham handedly going through how uh, Carter now has some after effects of having a Gould in her. Um, Jolinar? Is that his name? I better remember that name. Yep. Okay. Uh, It's okay, but it feels like we're kind of like, you know, oh, look, she's got a new superpower. Oh, look, yet another superpower. Um, You know, like she can now sense uh, Gould and she can, uh, she's given uh, some insider information about, uh, about Gould because of latent memories. Like, you know, okay, fine. Um, That's going to set up and we're undoubtedly going to be using that in the future. Uh, but, uh, you know, it's a,
0: there, there's a little bit of like, you know, like, I don't know. I, it just, you know, I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna disagree with you on that one, Brandon. Okay. Um, you know, we've seen in the last couple of episodes since in the line of duty, just a little bit here and a little bit there of, of something different with her. Uh, and, yeah. and I have found those to be personally uh to be kind of uh soft in a way i mean you know she here you know she's struggling to figure out and at this point in time we have learned that that what happened to her in season two episode two is still affecting her um and certainly something in the sense of the extreme stresses of well, you know being in a, a slave uh, in a mine uh, brings something out of her, but she's still not understanding it, uh, and she's still coming to make terms of it, but it's also not being made a big deal of. Uh, it's kind of popping in there. It says, wait, we don't use the sarcophagus. What are you talking about, we... Uh, well, the Tokro, they don't use the sarcophagus. Oh, wait, wait, what's this we-they thing? What's going on with her? Um, I kind of like the way it's just kind of, you know, here's a little bit, and then the next episode, we get just a little bit here, and uh, you're all right. In the future, um, this is going to lead somewhere. I'm sure. M- I'm, I mean, you already know that, so I don't have to spoil that. It's going to happen. Right. I, I, mean, well, I, it's, I don't. It's I haven't seen it. As as you know, ham handed, um, as you said, but uh, that's uh, you know if that's the way you yeah. see it, then then I'll let you see it that way. Yeah, the the sort of the the
1: rationale behind why I see it as 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 a bit clumsy is because it, it because it feels obvious. Now, is that me in 2019 uh, looking back on a tooth on a 1998 storytelling moment, right? You know, because mm. since then um how a person watches uh television content has changed dramatically like binging an entire season is now a it, it that's that is a normal way of how people engage with content such that uh a a story can be a lot more sly about that particular piece of information because they know that they're going to reveal it 15 episodes from now, but your average viewer is going to be watching that content in a matter of days, as opposed to a matter of months. Hmm. So, um, so I look at it like, okay, a thing happens to her. And instead of saying, and instead of her saying, huh, why do I know that? And then moving on, uh, instead we were immediately given an explanation of, Oh, she knows it because Joel and R was part of her one time. Uh, and I'm like, okay, all right. And so since it's obvious, Uh, and since I'm calling it right now, that's where it feels less sophisticated. But, But I am watching it from a framework of decades later, and if I think about television content back in the late 90s, like, I might not necessarily catch next week's episode, right? Like, I might have a VCR recorder, I might be that diligent about having it, but there's a chance I might miss it. And so if I miss it, uh, I'm going to be lost in the story unless they tell me something that makes it kind of obvious, right? So, so each moment kind of has to be self encapsulated.
0: Yeah, right. So
1: I'm kind of basically arguing two sides of the, you know, the, yeah. the, the two sides of this moment.
0: Yeah. Okay. I, I hear what you're saying. Um, one of the things, the reality is that one of the things that we're seeing in Stargate, and we'll see this for its entire run, is a transformation of how. TV producers tell stories. Mm, we yeah. are transforming from a system where things were uh, entirely episodic and you right. s- reset to zero at the end of every episode. And maybe uh, once in a while you might recognize that something happened three weeks ago. Maybe. Um, and But maybe not. Um, right. know, so that's where we're going from to what you were describing now, uh, where you know, Netflix now gives you an entire season as a, just one lump. Boom. Here's your 12 episodes yeah. or 10 episodes or whatnot. And they assume that you're, that the whole season of this show is going to be consumed more or less in one sitting. Uh, Mm -hmm. Even if that one sitting takes place over a few days or even a couple of weeks or something, the assumption is that most people watching, uh, name your favorite Netflix show right now or Amazon show, uh, is going to be watched fairly quickly and as a lump, as opposed to over six months as a standard series would travel. Uh, so there is a transition, and that's one of the things that I find interesting from a sociological perspective uh, of mm-hmm. Star- Stargate, is that you actually get to witness uh, some of the beginnings of that transition, that, that change, that shift. Now, SG-1, and well, all of Stargate, uh, maintains that basic form of an episodic show that is played out over several weeks and months in a season, over and against the Netflix stuff. So you don't see the right. whole transition, but you do start to see it. And this is probably part of that element. Yeah. No, it so. is.
1: it. This, and this is the kind of stuff that I really also enjoy. Like, uh, it, it you know, we're, we're talking a little bit, uh, you know, our conversation right now is a, is a lot more meta around this episode than, than on the episode itself. But this is part of what I like about, uh, you know, watching, watching shows, frankly, it's like, you know, it is, it's, it's not just a little moment of escapism for me. It's also a moment of social construction. And, yeah. uh, you know, I, 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 I like that. I like, uh, remembering that it's being filmed in the late nineties in B, in British Columbia. Right. You know, like I like knowing, uh, that the actors had these, uh, tie-ins before. Oh yeah. I, I remember, uh, when we were talking just a minute ago about how like once upon a time, things were reset to zero every time, I am remembering how if ever there was continuity one episode to the next, it was always in the form of like an Easter egg, right? So if you were an avid watcher, you'd recognize, oh, hey, look at that set piece in the background. That was the thing that they used from last season. Oh, cool. Isn't that neat? But it actually rarely if ever has a driver on the current story it's always this little throw mm-hmm. like you know hey friends hey fans this universe is indeed continuous one end to the other but uh we can't tell the story uh, using that device unless we explain that device so we're just going to put that device over there and you're gonna know and the rest of the people aren't which was cool like like being on the inside that's really neato uh but that that's changing right like yeah. now uh, if you watch a show and they introduce an element, you expect that element to be brought up again at some point, relatively soon, uh, in real time, because you're going to be watching these episodes. Bang, bang, bang. Right. And if they don't bring it back, then it feels like a loose end. Also, like it's like,
0: well, what happened to that thing? You know, one of the one of the story writing. I mean, if you're writing uh, a season and and producing that season and then uh, giving it out to the your audience in one lump, like Netflix is doing and other places, um, then that means you're basically writing the entire season as one. I mean, you know, it's it's one thing that you're you're writing an entire story. Um, Yes. You know, television in the late 90s. And prior to that, uh, you had the writers who were constantly writing and rewriting stories Literally, as the series progressed, as the season progressed. So while right. they may have, you know, in those early draft rooms, had kind of an idea of where they wanted with the arc, um, you know, the 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 type of, of cohesion that we have in today's writing uh, wasn't there. And uh, so you're starting to see some of the, the development of that. I like it. Yep. Yeah, me too.
1: I mean, this is... I- Part of the reason why I'm really enjoying this project is the is is the depth, and you know I could I totally I I you know I can see the forest for the trees. There's a reason why this series is beloved. Like there's a reason why the Stargate Command website exists. Why people are paying twenty dollars a year to have access to the content? Why why you know like the like the, the forums are the forum You know what I mean? Like yeah. like the fan base is there, and there's a reason for it. And that's because this thing is 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 going to be a great ride um yep. and you know and this is a piece of it like th- th- this transition is a piece of it yeah. i think it's yeah. probably how it's gonna be yeah anyway. uh,
0: i i look forward to i mean we're still here in the early parts of season two uh yeah still very much in universe building mode uh um, yes and and we'll always yes. be in universe building mode because that's the nature of television but but we're moving, we're moving into a realm where, where we have built the universe and now we get to just play in it. Um, yeah. And, uh, um, you know, sometimes that turns out really well and sometimes it doesn't. Um, and so, yeah,
1: well, that gets me back to sort of when I was talking about the end of the, re- of the, of the synopsis and how I was a little confused because I, I finished watching the episode and I was kind of a buzz because I was like, Oh, uh, is this the beginning? You know, um, wow, the, the phrase Terran Empire popped in my head, but that's the bad guys, so we're not going to talk about <laughs> them. Um, you know, but the, but the concept of, of an Earth-based network, so to speak, um, that might be able to stand toe-to-toe against the Gowuld, right, like it felt like this was the start. It, this one felt like now there's earth And there's this other planet and, you know, wherever that was, I don't even know if this planet ever got a name, um, (laughs) where the Naquita is. And sure, it was currently being mined by slaves, but, you know, on more than a few occasions, it was vocalized that uh, Earth technology can help them get the Naquita out of the ground without having to use slaves. Meaning, like, this is a thing that can be done without much work and we can have a base where we're getting buckets of this stuff all the time. Yeah. Um. right like that was like oh is this the start of it and you know and it was also uh, doing a little bit more world building in that like okay even if the stargate te- uh, you know even if sgc gets a hold of a sarcophagus they're not going to use it i mean maybe you know uh, uh, healing properties are one thing once you're healed then then you start running into problems you know what i mean yeah. but, but the point is is that it's it's not that simple like you don't just get a sarcophagus and become superhumans. like you know like y- you can't use it like that which is good right like that's that's complexity. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I mean, and what am I trying to say?
0: I'm excited. Know. That's what Yay! I'm trying to say. Yay. All right. Well, anything else you have to add for the good of the cause? Uh,
1: yeah, I think that's I think that's kind of it. Yeah.
0: Okay. Well, then, Brent, I come to the spot in the podcast where I ask you, Brent, need, uh-huh. out of seven chevrons, How many chevrons does it get? Yeah.
1: (sighs) Like I said, it started weak, in my opinion, and ended weak, in my opinion. But right in the middle there, boy, there was good acting. There was universe building. There was a nice problem to wrestle with. Uh, There was uh, relationship aspects that were being kind of developed a little. um, Maybe more along the lines of character development is probably a better way to say it. So... At points it felt thin, at other points it felt nice and meaty, and overall this was a good – this is this was an all right show. This one was all right. Um, I'm going to give it – I'm going to give it five. I'm going to give it five out of seven chevrons. I think that that's a tenuous five. Like if a couple of other things had changed, it probably would have dropped to a four for me, but it's all right. Like I think this right. is worthwhile. I think this is also setting something up, whether it does or not, as – Fully as I'm expecting. Sure. Uh, I'll leave that out in the open. But right now, after seeing this episode, it feels like this was was uh, momentous.
0: Okay. Brent gives it a five. Now I have to think about you? About, what about it? Let's see here. Well, I think you're right. The The love story between uh, Jackson and... Uh, what was her name? Uh, Shyla. Shyla. Uh Was terribly weak you know down to the point of f- frankly awful um yeah <laughs> uh and the awful wasn't in the acting well other than her doughy expression everything was so breathy just uh, bugs just, me and
1: and high and she was really uh, she was really in the upper register of her voice the
0: entire time the entire time and uh-huh and, and she was so thankful that she didn't die. That she was saved. Um, by her destiny. By her destiny. <laughs> um, and, and frankly, every time I watch this episode, that bugs the crap out of me.
1: Uh-huh.
0: Um, I love Michael Shanks' acting um, yep. in this episode. I, I love... Uh, the world building, you know, you get a little bit more teased about Carter and Jolinar. You get a little bit more learned about the sarcophagus and whatnot, um, you know, and and that's wonderful. I can't give it a five though. Yeah. Um. I think that this is a three point five. Woo. Okay. This is right straight down the middle for me. Um, uh, While the stuff that I like about it, I like. um, uh, You know, the. Yeah. Yeah, it's just a 3 5. It's just kind of right in the middle. Um, You know, whenever I get to this, when I'm rewatching the show, I'm like, oh, yeah, this is Need. Okay, let's get through Need. I think there's good stuff uh-huh. in there. There's also a lot of stuff. And yeah. then I just want to move on. I just want to move yeah. on. Yeah. Um, I can
1: I can appreciate how I might be feeling more positively about it at this moment, sure. but only because I'm filling in details, right? Yeah. Like there was that point that, I mean, right at the beginning, I'm like, I'm not sure if it was established whether or not that they were not going to do this in ROT, right? Like, and you were saying, yeah, you know, they were probably, the Stargate Command Wiki was probably providing a little more information than it should have. Yep. Um, and I'm giving it a ranking based off of how I felt immediately after watching
0: the episode. Sure. And, and, and as you should, as you should. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah. So uh, I will say this that, uh, you know, before I even watched the episode, this time around, I was like, okay, what am going to It has received a higher rating now than what my initial thought was going to be. In Aha. part because I rewatched it really closely this time, or at least much yeah. more closely than I have the last several times. Uh, and and uh, Jackson's uh, physical acting, you know, when, when you're actually watching it, is way yeah. better than when you're just listening to it. Although even the sounds of his voice and whatnot uh, is there. Oh. Um, so it, totally. it did get bumped up there. So it's it's like for me, it's it's straight down the middle of the road. Yep. Yep. All right. Okay. Well, Brent. Yes. Our next episode is by your good friend and mine, Catherine Powers. Catherine Powers. She's back.
1: Awesome. And the name. I maybe. Of I can't the episode, remember where we are in the sine wave.
0: Well, I don't know where we are. I can't remember. But the name of the episode is Thor's Chariot. Ah, Thor's Chariot. Thor's Chariot. Tell me ah. what Thor's Chariot is all about. Ah, oh. Thor's Chariot.
1: Well. The SG One team goes back to uh, Samaria. S- where?
0: What? I don't know. Samaria. Samaria is the planet where Thor's hammer was. The,
1: yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. I was, I was thinking it was no because a- Aster. I don't, I can't remember the names anymore. Anyway, all right. Um, they go back to the planet where they were originally at, where they get where they where they first ran up against Thor's hammer. So they go back to that planet, and they arrive. And they've learned things since they've last been there, including, you know, make sure that Teal'c is not necessarily in direct view of that particular hammer thing, just in case. Uh, and uh, they are uh, once again greeted by the people. And they say, we've got, we've got more news. We've been all, we've been all through the universe. Well, we've been to more places in the universe and we've learned more and blah, blah, blah. And we need your help. We need your help to defeat the ghoul world once and for all. We need a motorcycle <laughs> and the people are like what and they're like yeah we need a motorcycle that has like 1500 cc's and was produced in like the late 90s and made by honda and they're like what And they're like, yeah we need this motorcycle to you know be kind of a cruiser model and we're gonna modify it a little bit we're gonna have you know we we'll have pew pew guns on it and we'll it'll and we'll you know, put some knackwood tires on the back
0: and pew pew great. guns and knackwood tires yeah okay. and uh and, and
1: and in honor of an honor of of your uh, protectorate, dude, we're gonna call it Thor's Chariot. And they were like, "What are you guys talking about?" And, were, and then Daniel's gonna be like, "Yeah, like the like the Honda Valkyrie, that's made by Honda in the late nineties. It is a motorcycle. I, oh. This was funnier <laughs> in my head." <laughs> You know, uh, anyway, I, join us next week <laughs> when SG-1 rides motorcycles in Thor's Chariot.
0: I, I, I was just trying to figure out where you were
1: going. So I have this strange knowledge of motorcycles because uh, pretty shortly after these episodes were airing, one of my many jobs that I had was was packing motorcycle parts, aftermarket, Mostly decorative motorcycle parts for Honda Goldwings. Very uh, an extremely specific uh, motorcycle. Very very popular, but uh, and I think that we also carried some decorative parts for Valkyries as well. So you know, like that's that's that little nugget of information uh, that kind of trotted out in my head when yep. we were talking about Thor's chariot.
0: There you go. Uh, that is information about motorcycles that I did not have, which just made it even <laughs> more fun. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> i like, what the oh. heck? So, well, I Brand- hope I got my details right. <laughs> uh, well, you know, as far as I'm concerned, you do.
1: All right, cool.
0: <laughs> uh, shall we uh, watch the trailer? Yes, let's watch it. All right. Are you ready? Yes. I'm hitting go now. Next, on Stargate SG-1 On a world that was once invincible They've
1: already killed over half of our
0: people A fatal vulnerability turns a tribe of Ooh. proud warriors into helpless victims Our last half oh, no. lines with you Now outmanned and outgunned I'm afraid we're on our own, kids There may be only one way for SG-1 to outsmart this enemy.
1: With their help oh, we can no. still summon Motorcycle? the power of Thor
0: But first, they must face I don't the second of mind and might only the worthy may witness Thor's fight.
1: So, uh, we're supposed to go across this. And failure
0: is not an option. They will all be killed <laughs> over here. Oh, i seen
1: this movie, too. It's Indiana Jones <laughs> and the Last Crusade. Stargate SG-1. Oh, okay. Oh, right. No motorcycles. I'm, a, You know, that's that's disappointing to me, but... Cool. There are all right, no we get, motorcycles. We get, we get
0: Thor <laughs> again. We get the Astrid Guard. The Asgard. Asgard. Yep. Uh, So we do get to go back to Samaria. You were right there. Um, um, We do get to interact with those people. Um, There are no motorcycles, but there are bad guys. Yes. Pretty bad looking bad guys. Pretty bad looking bad guys. That's true. Uh, And we'll find out next time what happens. Yeah. On Thor's Chariot. Thor's Chariot.
1: All right. So uh, Catherine Powerscale. So she hit peak I think she hit peak at Thor's hammer and then was sliding back down um we made the joke about how the the scale is a sine wave I think we're not I don't think we're at the bot well unless it's a sine wave trending up
0: well let's see here so enigma was her last episode wasn't it right thor's chariot this is Great podcasting as you listen sure to me.
1: Sure is. Super exciting stuff. up my screen Go through here. a spreadsheet.
0: Uh, okay, so Enigma, which is episode 17 of season one, uh, was written by Catherine Powers. We each yeah. gave that a... Well, I gave it a three five. You gave it a 3.
1: Yeah, okay. Uh, and so, then
0: the one before that was Fire and Water. You gave it a 4. I gave right. it a 3. Okay. Um, and then the one before that was... Catherine powers. And we each gave that, I think a six or Thor's hammer. Yeah. yeah. Sorry. Uh, and then brief candle was a two and a three for you and me respectively. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So if this is the case, yeah, this um, one is
1: either going to be terrible. Thor's chariot is either going to be like onesville or it's going to be back on the upswing. And the Catherine Powers scale is indeed a sine wave that trends up over time.
0: Ah, well. Or
1: maybe a sine wave on top of a sine wave. Ooh. Yo, dog. I heard you like sine waves. Maybe it's a fractal pattern. (laughs) Maybe I'm reading uh, more into it than there actually is. (laughs) 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 That could be, too.
0: Well, we have uh, this episode and at least one more by Catherine Powers this season. Two more. Uh all right, we can establish a two pattern. more at the end uh in this season. So she has 3 this season. Uh Thor's chariot's the first one and then she's got two more later on. Um we'll just have to wait and see how this all plays out. Awesome. All right. I'm looking forward to it. Yep. So anything else to add as we nope. bring our podcast to the close? That's
1: I've said all I have to say.
0: Ah, well, Brent has said everything that he has to say, which means he can't say anything more. And so now it is your turn to tell us what you think. Tell us what you think about uh, uh, about this episode. Need? Uh, tell us where we got it right. Tell us where we got it wrong. Tell us how to pronounce that one city in Australia, because we're not very Church good at card. that. Uh, yeah, exactly. Uh, email us at stargate at gmail.com. That's w a l k i n g t h r u g h t h e s t a r g a t e. At gmail.com. <laughs> I made it through, but only barely. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it, it's, it's been a long week, Brent. Yeah. Uh, or that. or right. comment and tell us stuff on face on Facebook at uh, Walking Through the Stargate. That's on our Facebook page or the Facebook group. Find us in both places and talk to us and have fun with that. Or follow us on Twitter at Stargate Walking. All of those. Uh, and be sure to rate, review us and all of that stuff. Yes. Because... We love you. And
1: and press the heart button.
0: Press the heart button because it's Boop. all about the hearts. That's right. You know, so. Okay.
1: Do, 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 do. Bling.
0: Bling. With that, I'm Zach. And I'm Brent. And this has been Walking Through the Stargate. See you next time.
1: Bye. Carter, dial it up. Get these people home.